The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 143. What are the benefits of having a mentor when pursuing a career as a professional footballer? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the football industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Jason Lapkin. Jason is an ex-professional football player and currently he is the advisor at First Touch Mentoring, where he supports the next generation of footballers when starting a career as a professional footballer. Also, Jason has a brilliant blog, which is absolutely fantastic with regards to some of his articles on today's news with regards to the sports and football industry. So for that reason, it's brilliant to have Jason as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Jason will share his sports career journey and explain the benefits of having a mentor when starting a career as a professional footballer. Jason, it's great to have you on the show. Please can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? I'd have to cast my mind back at least 15 years now, Ed. Um, so that might not seem like a lot to some. Uh, but to me, it's it's pretty much half a lifetime. Um, so I started as as any young lad does. They they go to the local park. They get picked up by um, their local side, Harden Rangers. You might have heard of them because they're Michael Owen's uh, youth team, the Gary Speed's youth team. It's a real footballing hotbed in North Wales. Um, so that's where I started, and and that's kind of my aspirations from the very get go was to follow in Michael Owen's footsteps. Um, so from Harden Rangers, I, I eventually went to Tranmere Rovers. From Tranmere Rovers, I was then signed by Manchester United for compensation two years after. Uh, spent four years at Man U in the academy system and then went to Aston Villa for my apprenticeship. Uh, two years into that, I unfortunately suffered a career-threatening injury. I don't like to call it career-ending because I did carry on and I went to play football in the United States on a soccer scholarship. Uh, and I spent another wonderful five years playing soccer, as they would call it out there. I'll try not to, uh, but it will slip out now and again. Um, so I spent five years there doing my bachelor's and my MBA, and I was able to combine my passion for education and sport perfectly. They intertwined um, in an unbelievable way. I find this really interesting. I want to go back in time with regards to any youngsters who want to become a football player really quickly what did you learn <clears throat> from your experience at Manchester United reflecting now going through that process it was quite a rapid progression my learning curve was really steep so I'd started at Harden Rangers when I was eight years old by 10 I was at Tranmere and by 12 I was at Man U so within the space of four years of really learning to kick a ball uh, I'm half Spanish so I wanted to be a bullfighter ashamedly before becoming a footballer um, I'd managed to make it to what was then 
maybe not now, but what was then the biggest team in the world. I'm actually a Liverpool fan, so I'm still scratching my head as to why I went to Man U, and I'm sure my grandfather was spinning in his grave when I made that decision. But yeah, it was it was an irresistible offer. There was no way that I wasn't going to choose Man U. They just won the Premier League in that year, it was 2003. Um, so they were clearly the best team around. But one thing I noticed is that the jump from Tranmere to Man U was... Uh, there was a stark contrast. Um, yes, the facilities were much better. The coaches were world-class. But it almost sucked the fun out of the game for me. Um, it was straight away, they were coaching us the way they'd like to play the game, not how we'd been raised to play the game. At Tramia, everything was fun. Uh, I, I hardly remember... A training session, really. I mean, it was all five asides, uh, round robins, one-man cuppers, that kind of thing at Tranmere, which might have seemed unprofessional to some. And then when we went to Man U, it was, it was almost army-style regime training. So, yeah, I like that. although I wouldn't change my decision, uh, obviously any young lad is going to choose the biggest team in the world. Who wouldn't? But looking back, I think I would have preferred to stay at Tranmere. And, and that sounds weird because they're now... I don't know if they're league, I think they're league two, maybe with, with aspirations of coming into league one. But the way I look at it is football is a marathon, not a sprint. So the young lads need to bear that in mind. I think it's much better to come through uh, a lower league club than just go to a Premier League club because these become farms for, for players. I mean, you look at Chelsea and they've got 60 plus young players on loan and it's just bonkers. Those players could be playing elsewhere, regular first team football and and enhancing their development that way. I think we talk about it's really important because it does relate to today's podcast topic. But just on that note, how important was it for you? Because you said you lost the enjoyment and you're still at a very young age in general. How did you sort of shift that mindset that this was going to be a career? Because I think that's important for youngsters to realise when you get an opportunity like that. Yes, it may be a bit more resilient, as you sort of mentioned at Manchester United. But was that the trigger point going, hold on? This is sort of a career path unfolding now and you've got to focus on the career element then maybe being a child, just learning the walks of life in general, if you know what I mean, as a teenager. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you do realise very quickly when you're at a team like Man U that this is a career, it's not just fun. Uh, even from an early age, we weren't encouraged to just go out and play. It was There wasn't an undertone of you have to go out and get a result because eventually that's what they're going to train you for. They're not there to kind of hold your hand and muddy coddle you. Eventually, their their aim is to get you in the first team and get you producing results for their first team. They can go on to make make money off the back of you if they sell you. But it's football is a business, uh, and that's the way you've got to look at it. <sighs> yeah, I, w- I was going to go on to a really interesting point, but I think I just got waylaid uh, with what we were saying. Yeah, no, what I was saying, it's just to give people insight. Like really quickly, I've read. I'm a Man United fan. I've read Gary Neville's book. I fascinated with the 1992 development and you know they got to train very hard at a very young age to be champions I would say almost well three to four years after it wasn't a 10-year period of their success but what I'm trying to give an insight to the listeners is that you know as a teenager you've got to have the mindset that this is a career and you know, I just want people to realise that academy isn't just a place where you get the opportunity and find your feet. You've got to find your feet straight away. And I just want people to realise that. And I think we're going to be talking about mentors later on. And this is the sort of area where you've got to 
have been in an environment where you're going to be uh, pushed from the coaches, but there must be a mindset area where you got flipping out. I may need some guidance from a support system. And on that note, reflecting now, would you wish you had that in place where some people hold your hand in one period, but then there's a point where actually the coaches need to push you hard as well. Do you think it's important? That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. I think I liken it to having it two careers um, throughout my life, really. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I was in my new training five times a week. Um, but I also had GCSEs and all the regular pressures that a young lad has. Um, so I was effectively working two full-time jobs from a very early age, which, yes, did build a lot of resilience. It built a lot of transferable skills. Um but it was also a pressure cooker environment. And I didn't really know how to deal with that back then. I'd like to think I'm a bit more adept now. So if you chucked me into the deep end now, I'd be able to deal with it. Um, but obviously, as a 12-year-old and you're coming through, and, and I was co- kind of coming through in the Wayne Rooney era. So I saw him as a 15, 16-year-old going on to these unbelievable things, scoring on his debut against Arsenal. Uh, and that kind of, I think tarred my generation with a certain feeling that they had to make it by the time they were 16, 17, 18, uh, which is not the case. But looking back then, it was the most important thing to just keep progressing at any cost uh, and trying to make it to the first team as quickly as possible. And just really quickly, you talked about transferable skills. I want to sort of dig deep on that point. What do you mean transferable skills with regards to focusing on your education and sports football career? Could you could you just give us a few that you learned during that process? Yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a different journey than most. So going back a little bit, I was at Aston Villa when I was 16 and 17. Uh, and that was the year that I was looking to sign professional forms with the club. Um, we had a very good youth setup. Aston Villa have always produced great players. Um, their youth system is, is one of the best in the land. Uh, and we'd actually made it to the semi-final of the Youth Cup. So we were playing against Newcastle at Villa Park. Um, everything was going very well. I was pushed up front to exploit the Geordies tiring back four with my pace. Uh, and I'd managed to make it in front of Paul Dummett. I'll always remember Paul Dummett. And I I cringe every time I see him playing, but, but good luck to him. Um, he kind of flicked my heel just ever so slightly as I got in front of him. Uh, and as my foot planted, I kind of tore everything in my knee. I did my ACL, MCL, and uh, I damaged both lateral and medial menisci. So that was the career-threatening, I let score, but not career-ending injury. Um, but from then, everything was, was pretty much a battle to get fit. So I'd been quoted 24 months out of the game, uh, which is a long period of time. And especially when you're 18 years old and you have this pressure of, I have to make it to the first team. Uh, it's, it's a hell of a long time. So in that 24 months, I I literally had to learn to walk again. Uh, The injury was that violent and visceral that I had to do that. Um, So I'd say my resilience there was was really developed. Um, My adaptability, obviously I'd gone from the peak of the game and I was now going to be stuck in a physio room for for the next 24 months, according to the doctors. I actually made it back in in nine, so I, I managed to... Defy the doctor's orders. I wish I'd been a bit more patient, but maybe that's another inadvertent lesson it taught me to be patient because I'm suffering the knock-on effects of that injury still now. Uh, I've torn my quad twice. I've had a hip operation. I'm pretty much the bionic man. Um, So I wish I'd have taken my time and realized that football, like I said, is a marathon, not a sprint. And just relating to that injury 
and those 24 months, did you have warning signs of maybe what's next? Did you have other interests you may have to venture into if things didn't work out? Because I think this is another important point. We, it isn't talked about in the main media of how athletes cope after an injury and thinking about the future. Did you have any ideas popping in your head during that period of time out of interest? Yeah, for sure. I've always believed that I need to keep uh, mentally as well as physically stimulated. I think I forgot that a little bit whilst I was at Aston Villa. I was just so focused on making it as a professional footballer and I could see, I could almost touch my dream. Um, so I did an NVQ and a BTEC whilst at Aston Villa, but I don't think, looking back, those are the best courses one can do. Um, I think there's a lot more options nowadays. I listened to your previous podcast with Diego. Uh, the director general at, at SBI Barcelona, um, and, and courses like that that are springing up left, right, and centre. You know, they're they're giving such a good alternative to players who might not have a career in the game. You know, the very one percent of players will go on to have a career in the game uh, on the field, but that's not to say that off the field they can't do something. There's a lot of transferable skills like we just talked about, and they obviously have that grounding in the industry. Um, so they're valuable assets just because they don't go on to make it into the first team and, and generate their clubs multi-millions of pounds from their on-field efforts doesn't mean they can't do that behind the scenes. And just afterwards, because you said you got back into football nine months afterwards, one area I want to dig into as well, because this is what I admire your courage now, what inspired you to get on a plane doing some soccer in the United States? Could you go through that transition as well? Yeah, I mean, I've been conditioned to be very independent from a very young age. Uh, from 12 years old at Man U, we were being taken to digs, um, which is uh, accommodation with a family where they take you out so you're closer to Manchester. Um, at 16, I left left home to go and live in Birmingham for Aston Villa. So I'd, I mean, it makes no difference to me where I am in the world. I'm, like we are now, I'm, I'm, I'm on a Skype call, so I can do that with my mother but uh, at least I get to see her and talk to her. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been very independent. Um, and and obviously the, the opportunity to go to the States and combine my passion for education, self-improvement, um, and keeping the dream alive in a sense as well was something that really appealed to me. And just looking at the sports industry now as a bigger picture, how have you seen the industry develop from a player perspective? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I listened to your podcast with Diego the other week and I was just fascinated with what he had to say um, for any any aspiring sports professional, whether that be you want to be a player or, or part of the back team staff or, or anything to do with sport. I would recommend that you listen to Diego's podcast. I mean, I took a lot of advice from it um, and he's pretty much the master. So I think I have to hand it over to Diego in that regard. Um but just really do your research. I mean, I didn't even know these kind of courses existed up until last month. Uh, and it's now that I've come back from the States and I'm looking for employment in the UK and I do want to go into the sports industry that I'm beginning to feel that maybe my bachelor's, my MBA aren't specific enough. I need something else. And I think Diego even mentioned that he did two masters. He did an MBA, but then he also did a master's in sports management. So that's what helped him unlock the door into the sports industry. He didn't have maybe the experience on the field that I had, but that master's degree really helped to get into what he's doing now. Absolutely. But I think another key area is how you elevate your own education. And gosh, 
Jason, you've got a great bit of knowledge and I want to now tap into today's main podcast topic because it relates to the pros and cons of, let's say, professional sport, especially in football. How important are having mentors for professional footballers, in your opinion? I mean, look at any walk of life. There will always be someone there who can guide you. Whether you take their advice or not is completely your choice, of course. But what I would say is that you look at the most successful people in the world and you think they're they're the lone gunner. They've made it themselves. You know, you look at Steve Jobs, you think he's he's gone it himself. But no, Steve Jobs even had mentors. Um, I think there is some trepidation on the side of footballers, especially youth team players. Um, I remember being in the youth team and seeing the first team as untouchables, really. I, I wouldn't dare talk to them. It was be seen, not heard kind of thing around the training ground. Um, but th- I'm sure they would have loved to kind of coach me and give me their advice. I just wasn't brave enough at that time to go to say Gabby Igbonglehor and say, Gabby, I'm struggling with this. Um, have you got any tips for me? It, it just would never happen. But I think now with what we're trying to do, especially with First Touch Mentoring and My Football Mind, uh, we're trying to kind of bridge that gap, create a platform where players feel comfortable talking to former or current professionals and asking for advice. Could you explain that in a lot more detail for the listeners for this new little venture you're involved in now? Yeah, so it's, I mean, at the turn of the year, we we launched really. Um, so it's it's First Touch Mentoring, which is our mentoring arm. And then we have My Football Mind, which is a bit more broad also. Um, So our overarching aim with both companies, really, like I say, is to bridge that gap between youth team and first team or or retired players who've been there and done it and can give their advice to the young guns uh, who are hoping to come through and follow in their footsteps. We're trying to build a generation of resilient footballers. I think... The mental aspect of football is is lagging behind when you consider that, you know, there's so many sports scientists, nutritionists, everything to help the players physically. But I think the mental side of the game still needs to catch up. Absolutely. What have you been up to recently in general? Uh, so most recently, like I say, I've returned from the States. I did five years out there. I did my bachelor's and my MBA. Uh, and then I worked in a boutique fitness uh, gym. Unfortunately, my visa was denied. The political climate is not exactly in my favor out there. So I do find myself back home. But, you know, projects like First Touch Mentoring uh, and My Football Mind have really ignited my passion for the charitable sector of sport. Um, And looking back, I mean, I wish something like this would have been around when I when I suffered my injury, even before that, when I was at Man U and struggling to deal with the pressure of being at the biggest team in the world. Uh, and aspiring towards making their first team. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Cezanne and Rosie, who are the two co-founders, I think they're doing a wonderful thing, uh, and I'm kind of advising them along their journey. And I'm, of course, also a mentor myself. I mean, I've I've been there and done it more than most. Um, I had the pressures, of, like I say, of Man U, Aston Villa, trying to make it as a professional, but I also have the unique but unfortunate aspect that I had a career threatening injury which did force me out of the professional game but I'd like to show the example to to others that you know that's not the be all and end all you don't have to live your life as the guy who got injured and then life went downhill from there you can go research go to the United States 
You can do degrees like Diego's company or offering Sports Institute Barcelona. You know, just because you're not going to make it onto the back pages doesn't mean you can't make it onto the front. You've just highlighted so many important points there that there are the options and that's really key. I think that's most important that there are options out there. Jason, just on a personal note, reflecting now, what have you enjoyed the most from your career looking back? I mean, it's quite a general feeling, but the day-to-day of continual improvement and striving towards your aspirations is what I really enjoy. Uh, having something to chase is is the best feeling in the world. I mean, when you see yourself getting closer to achieving that dream, there is no limit to your energy or passion for what you're doing. Um, and, and that's what I'd say, you know, you've got to really find your passion. Um, even just yesterday, I was, I was offered a job at a fantastic company, uh, but I wasn't passionate about it. That's why I had to turn it down. Um, everything about the company was great. The CEO is someone whose footsteps I would like to follow. Uh, he's a fellow North Whalian, probably the, the most successful these hills have produced. So that's really what had attract, attracted me to the company. But I discovered that the business and the industry it's in just didn't ignite my flame. I heard him talking with such passion and fervor uh, about what they were doing. And I just didn't feel that within myself. It kind of inadvertently taught me another lesson that this isn't for me, but there will be something that I can talk that passionately about. And I hope. It's coming across that that's football um, and and I should kind of follow my passion to find my purpose. Absolutely. It sort of relates to today's final question where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question and you've touched on it just then, but what advice would you give to university students who are discovering their sports career purpose slash passion? What tips would you give from the process you're going through now? Yeah, I would say do your research. When I... When I left the UK uh, and I was looking at sports scholarships in the US, it was pretty much based around where I would have the most fun and where the best parties would be. Um, So I'd narrowed it down to New York and California for obvious reasons, but then I kind of got a bit more serious and I decided where better to study business than the hub of business, which is New York. Um, So I, I decided to go to Long Island University. That said, I think... Business was kind of a bit of a scapegoat for me, and it, was, it wasn't it was specific enough because I, I knew from the very get-go that I wanted to be in the sports industry, uh, and I thought an MBA would probably give me that broad range of subjects that I could then apply in a specific way to the sports industry, but that's not exactly the case. What I'm finding as I'm applying to jobs now is that they're requiring very specific degrees like perhaps Diego's company will offer. Uh, There's another company in the UK called UCFB who do offer these kind of courses too. Um, So yeah, do your research, but do it well and find what specifically will lead you to the ultimate goal Um, is, is probably the best advice I could give. Again, I would point your listeners in the direction of Diego's podcast because it was just absolutely fantastic and I recognize a master when I hear one and, and he really he really was one. And, and I'll be following his advice to try and break into the football industry myself. Look, that is absolutely fantastic. It was a great podcast, but I have to say this is just as good. And how can people interact with you, Jason, online? Uh, well, thank you, first of all, for the compliment, Ed. I really appreciate it. And I've had a lot of fun uh, talking to you. Um, so if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram, JSLampkin, altogether. I'm um, also on Instagram, Jason Severiano Lampkin. 
Uh, and if you want to follow my blog, HTTPS, obviously that little bit at the start, jasonlampkin.wordpress.com. Uh, and then obviously I, we'd love to get in touch with you via the First Touch Mentoring and, and My Football Mind if you're there uh, and you are looking for help or if you want to become a mentor as well. We are on the lookout for mentors. Um, so if you want to help our, our budding project in any way, at First Touch Mentoring on Instagram, at My Football Mind on Instagram. And then if you want to send us an email, enquiries at myfootballmind.com. That is fantastic to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Jason, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ed. What a brilliant podcast chat with Jason. Honestly, for me, that is why I really enjoy the work I do, is speaking to people like Jason who just provide you the reality behind the scenes with regards to being a professional athlete, in this case, being a footballer. And I know for some people, if you've gone through the process of going through academies, you will have that understanding yourself, but a lot of people don't. And that's what I really enjoyed listening to Jason. This is providing you a real insight of the high pressure environment a young footballer is at at a young age when pursuing a career as a professional footballer, trying to make it to those big football clubs, those big contracts. And not everybody gets to that stage and the one thing I said to Jason straight afterwards, I really admired his courage, is because despite the setbacks with injury, to be honest, led him to a different direction, but it's pointed him to a direction where he is now, where he's really now got to grips with his experience, his knowledge, where he really wants to apply that into a passion within the sports industry where he can add value. And that's the key learning point I've taken from Jason is your experience develops into knowledge which can be applied where you be the expert in that particular environment or in that field and for me with regards to the work he's doing with the mentor program I think so important with regards to professional sport but especially in the football industry everybody needs a mentor some stage of their life without a doubt it doesn't have to be in a sporting environment but in this case in a football player's environment having mentors is just crucial it's a great way to bounce off and I know Jason will be a great mentor for many young footballers going through the ranks at the grassroots level who are just starting out their academy experience with a football club really on that note I just want you to highlight that again with regards to Jason's attitude that's the second learning lesson I've taken from this interview which you can apply to your sports career adventure that having the right attitude in knowing what you want, knowing where you want to add value with that purpose behind makes you lethal. And I just hope now you've got a better understanding that you've got to have all those components in place. Know what you want, where are you going to add value? And then behind that, where's the purpose? Who are you going to help during that process? Because that's how you get paid for something by adding value in return. So look, I cannot express how much I enjoy this podcast chat. I hope you too and really apply what Jason said during this interview relating to your sports career ambitions today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Jason said, do your research, find specifically what you want relating to your ultimate career goal. 